Welcome to Voice of Ministries. And today we have, of course, myself, Nathan, and Andrew joining us again. And today we're going to be talking about the vitally important topic of burnout and really about burnout in ministry. But I believe it's going to be very relatable to whatever workplace, wherever you're at, whatever scenario you're in, and being able to understand burnout and our, we're going to share our experiences to some degree as well and how, how you can help avoid burnout in your life and how to come out of it if you are struggling with it and symptoms of it at the moment. Um, just to kind of kick this off, I wanted to provide a bit of context around burnout and just some definitions of it. Um, and I've just got some uh, details here and it says that ministry burnout describes the condition of those who have exhausted the reserves of their emotional energy that they normally draw on to do their work. So in particular with ministry, it's the work of ministry that, that's involved. And they've, um, they've, they have given all they have in, in serving God and their calling until they find there is nothing left in the bank. You feel empty, you feel your reserves are completely gone. And in a sense, that, that term emotionally bankrupt. Um, and it's not, I guess, and, and, and a lot of people get confused with burnout and say like a nervous breakdown or some other mental health condition. And it's not those things. It's actually different from that. And it's more about just that emotional reserves are gone. But physically, um, you might be doing okay. You can still be physically active and do certain things. But just when it comes to particular um, roles in ministry or in your workplace, wherever it might be, you're just emotionally exhausted. And just one other thing I wanted to point out as well was there's three key areas that um, burnout is kind of measured and diagnosed by. Um, emotional exhaustion is a key one. So just feeling like, or not having any feeling, losing compassion, having compassion fatigue. Um, another important area of that is um, just the draining impact of people contact and just wanting to be away from people, which obviously in ministry is very difficult. And Andrew, I'll get you to share about this as well, of course. Um, depersonalization is a really important area as well, where you feel um, like your level of compassion towards pastoral care, it just goes like into a bit, a bit more of like you blame people more. It's like, oh, they should just know better. They sit, keep coming to me for prayer and, and that, that kind of rhetoric starts to play out. There's a depersonalization. And the last one there is reduced personal accomplishment. So having a sense that, you know, your success and achievement in ministry, um, it, it's coming from this, um, I guess, you feel like you're not making a difference. You're not really doing anything, feeling like a failure. And that can play into a sense of shame. So there's, there's a lot there and it's pretty heavy. So <laughs> I'm going to get into this topic today and, and hopefully give you some hope um, to, to, to avoid and, and come out of it. Um, Andrew, welcome. Greetings to you. Good to be with you again. Likewise, likewise. Yeah, we want to give people hope um, because although some of this stuff is quite heavy and they think, oh my word, um, there is light at the end of the tunnel. You can come, can come through this. And especially if you're a, a Christian, knowing the resources of God to help you, there is a way through this. Um, but yes, I know, you know, I've been in ministry for over 35 years in one form or another, 27 years as a, as a full-time pastor. And uh, yes, you go through waves, I think is what I would describe it, of, of burnout. And 
if, if you can catch it in the bud, so much the better. Uh, but yeah, there are times, very good descriptions that you had there, when, when you feel, why bother? What's this all about, Alfie, as the old song used to go. And uh, yeah, that, it's not, you, you're not physically uh, challenged in that you've still got energy to walk around, but there's some of those stresses. So, you know, that cough I used to have, some sleeplessness and, and headaches, um, that all that's a part of it. And that sense as you rightly say of feeling emotionally drained and here's another thing I've got to do and, and another thing I've got to do and I think sort of being in ministry especially in pastoral ministry the, there is a relentless here we go again there's another service to prepare for there's another funeral to do and it's it's it would seem never ending and because I think I don't know if you agree Nathan but sort of burnout seems to impact those who are in the caring professions because they do care and they want to be conscientious they want to be responsible about what um, care and level of care they're giving and yet it can overextend and and sort of deplete one's resources and i think that's where that feeling of being drained comes from and and because you're drained you, you're not functioning as well as you could do that that was some of my experience for sure yeah and i think you've raised some like really good points there about that um compassion fatigue where you you just don't have the emotional bank um reserves any longer um so in your journey with with um in, in ministry and and just in life in general um how have you experienced this um i know i'm asking you to be very open and vulnerable here um, so, you know, I really appreciate that. And I'm, I'm sure that our listeners will as well, who um, perhaps have experienced some of this and um, are going through it perhaps and give them hope as well, like that you can actually come through to the other side. Um, what might be some of your experiences around in this area? Well, let, let's take one that was particular to the denomination that I was working in, that was responsible for the funerals in, in a particular geographical area. Um, if anybody said, what, what, what church denomination do you want to do your funeral? They, they would say the one that I belong to. I was a Church of England minister, and a lot of people say, I'm Church of England. They may never have come to my church, but I, I, I would do those funerals. It was part of the job description, if you like. And so yeah. I, I could be doing at least 40 funerals a year, and, and, and sometimes more than that. Um, again, going back to this conscientious thing, you don't want just to do one funeral at, like it was a conveyor belt, you know, switch on auto drive, and here we go again. You know, because you want to be following Christ and entering into the grief of the people, it is taking an emotional toll on you. And, you know, to do one after another and to do multiple in, in one week, it, oh, my word, not another funeral. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> So, that, you know, at, at that simple level, uh, the number of funerals, the number of grief situations, and because each one would be different, it's not as though you had stock answers for every service that you were doing uh, and every family that you were meeting. And so that, that just takes it, it, it's told in its way. And then I think um, another area that was, would take its toll on me 
was particularly sort of challenging people, people who mm -hmm. perhaps didn't uh, agree with the direction that I was wanting to lead the church in. I had a very supportive team around me, but uh, you know, some people in the congregation always happens in, when there's growth, that there can be conflict and conflict can produce growth, but, and I'm one that doesn't particularly like conflict. And so that would be demanding and draining as well. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that's really important to acknowledge just, you know, what some people might think, uh, you know, doing a funeral, um, they don't understand or appreciate that you're not doing just one funeral and the involvement and the planning and the preparation and the after effects of that as well. Say follow up with the family and if there's any other concerns or if it's traumatic um, passing of, of the individual, there's a lot of emotional, um, you know, engagement in that. Uh, and just because, like you said, you genuinely care for this family, for these people and for what you do, um, you, you put your whole heart and soul and, and desire into it. Um, and it does, it, it does, if we're not careful, it does start to have an impact on us. Um, yeah, so definitely I think that's important to acknowledge. And the other side as well, where you're dealing with change and dealing with people and, and the growth of the church and, and the ministry and, you know, people will have different expectations and ideas and, kind of how we spoke about teams and um, the importance of that last time. But it's, it's that idea of, you know, um, how do you deal with the conflict and, and all of that. And that over time can, can lead to a lot of issues in, in you know, in leadership as well um, and in how kind of we feel about, you know, the, the ministry that we're involved in because you're getting all this like feedback and like, oh, that's, that's not, you shouldn't be doing that or you should be doing it this way. And, all of that kind of thing. I, I see you nodding your head here. <laughs> well, absolutely, because, I mean, it, it's not as though that issue is the only issue that you've got to deal with. If you could put all your resources into that one issue, into that one conflict, or, or, or relating to that person who is in conflict with you, then I think, you, you, you know, you, you could galvanize your resources and cope with it. But because you're having to do so many other things at the same time, it's just one of many balls that you're, you're juggling. And, uh, mm. and so therefore finding the focus to concentrate on that and then trying to avoid that one issue dominating everything else that you do. Um, I think that that is a reality. I mean, you know, you only have to prick your thumb, don't you, and your whole body sort of concentrating on your thumb. And, but when there's somebody in the church that's a thorn in the flesh, all of your attention is going to that one person. And, you know, <laughs> I can remember our family saying, do we have to keep talking about this? <laughs> and, and, you know, and that would be every meal time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Because it yeah. becomes all-consuming. All you can Absolutely. laugh at it now. I can laugh at it now. But, you know, when you're in the midst of it and you hear that phone ring again, and say, do I really want to answer this? I know it, who it's going to be. Do I want to answer this phone? Absolutely. Um, and I think that's, that's important to, to, I think it's important to acknowledge kind of the tension and the pressure um, and the, the things that we can experience when we're in a ministry position or in a, in a role that, that works with people in general as well. Um, I know in my role, I've certainly experienced the same thing about the phone thing where you're um, literally having an aversion to my mobile just I, and needing to turn it, physically turn it off um, and just not being able to, to 
talk to another person and just that that level of fatigue and yet i don't know about you nathan but for me i then felt guilty that i was turning the phone off or turning the answer machine off as well you're not supposed to do that you're supposed to be available for people and yet you know it's one of those false beliefs that sort of exacerbate the, the road to, to burnout. And that's important what you said there about the beliefs. And that was my next question. Uh, uh, what are some of the, the unhelpful beliefs that, that can perpetuate this, this, this level of burnout and lead us into that more? And what are some of the behaviours attached to those beliefs that we have um, that can get us into those places where um, we're doing, you know, working 70 80 hours a week you know in ministry um just always on call always available and and then finding that by saying yes to all these things we're saying no to to perhaps even the more important things about family our children um our own mental health and, and well-being and, and emotional well-being our relationship with god so what might be some of those unhelpful beliefs that you noticed yeah i think a, an undue sense of responsibility was one that was playing for me that I felt that I was responsible for everything uh, that happened within my sphere, um, and it, you know, that, just saying it that like like that, you say, well, that's absolutely impossible, you know, and stupid thing to think. But yeah, my mind up here can think it's a stupid thing to think that I'm responsible for everything, but my, <laughs> if my heart isn't there. If I still think, well, this is my job, this is my task, you know. And I think for a Christian, and, and for me, there was a sense of not wanting to let God down. That I somehow felt, well, he, he's called me to this. Uh, mm. And as a Christian, you've obviously got big dreams and hopes and desires to see the church grow and be in revival. And, and then mm. it's not... And you think, well, it must be my fault. I, I must need to do more. And of course, you then get in a, a vicious cycle of finding, you know, you're trying to do more to make the church grow. Church doesn't grow, so you try and do more. And, you know, this is just a false uh, expectation that I was putting on myself, that I was responsible for the growth of the church. And a, a verse comes to mind immediately now. I will build my church, says the Lord. <laughs> and again, not Andrew Sharp will build my church, but I will build my church. And so, you know, there's something that means to move from the head to the heart to actually let that impact one's being. There's a, a verse, wasn't it, about Jesus that, that where the disciples observed and remembered the verse in the Old Testament that said, the zeal for the house of the Lord has consumed him. And I always yeah. used to think that I was a virtue, you know, so that, yeah. that was a faulty belief. It wasn't just a, a psychological thing. It was a faulty belief that zeal for the house of the Lord, it should consume me. And, and I thought, well, no, it consumed Jesus so that it doesn't well, consume yeah. me. You know, he has done the hard work. Everything he did on the cross. <laughs> And through then releasing his Holy Spirit after the resurrection and ascension, uh, he gives us the enabling uh, to partner with him in his work to, to build his church. That's, 
that's amazing and in I'm getting really positively worked up in a good way here because it, it is such an important area. Um, th these negative beliefs that we can hold um, about God, um, even through scripture. And um, I, I say that, I have a phrase that I use with um, the, the clients I work with, a negative belief can drive a positive behavior into burnout. So even though it's it's a positive behavior, say the something that I, um, I got, uh, I got caught up in, um, and it was a it was it was a really good desire. I wanted to see people saved, and so um, I literally went into a place where any time I left my house, I would have to witness to people, as whoever I saw, wherever they were at, whatever I was doing, I had to witness to them. Um, so I got to a point where um, I was just, you know, I I found it really difficult to leave my house because it would take me forever just to go for petrol or. Um, just to go to the, the grocery store or whatever it might have been. And I found that I, it started really well. I was passionate, excited about pe seeing people saved, but it went into an area of, of works and effort in myself um, that was driven by negative belief that I had to do more. If I didn't do more, God was disappointed. Um, and that person there, they're going to go to hell if I don't talk to them. You know, I can, I can be the one that leads them to, to Jesus. And, that's a good desire, but it was tainted with this works and law-based mentality that, to be honest, I think one of the things that was driving it is just my unawareness of that. Um, I wasn't even aware that I had a faulty belief. And I think sometimes with burnout, well, a lot of the time with burnout is we're not even aware it's happening. And, and that, yeah, we find ourselves in that place where we're just emotionally exhausted and don't, can't see the forest for the trees and we don't even know how to kind of come out of it and uh, often I found with with myself and with people I've worked with unfortunately it can actually take so how long it took you to get into a place of burnout whether it's two three ten years not necessarily it's this this way all the time but it can take a substantial amount of time to come out of it as well um, so they've say it takes you two years to get into that place it might take two years to come out of it not always um, and there is there are certain things that you can do to help speed that process up. But the point of that is really helping people understand that it's not a quick fix and think that as soon as you're aware of it, uh, I'm just going to be fine tomorrow and I can go back into full time what I was doing. There is a, There might be a process and there generally is a, a, a process that we go through to heal and be restored when we're feeling this way. And again, it's not the end of the world. So we can come out of this as well. That's important. Um, what what would you say is kind of the role of like those negative beliefs and the behaviors and sort of that idea about um, feeling like a failure and maybe feeling shame that you should be better you you know you shouldn't feel like this what's wrong with me you know yeah i mean i think for, for me that that was a, a big thing a sense of failure that i i'm not good enough and I think any sort of underlying sort of, can I call it psychological issue that hasn't been resolved sort of gets magnified when you're in this burnout process. So that whereas you might be able to answer the phone, uh, even, even if you're sort of shy of people, you might be able to answer the phone. But then when you're in this period of, of being drained and fatigued and what's it all about, you know, the, it's harder to, to pick up the, the phone then because and then that's 
magnified by a sense of guilt. I should be picking up that phone. What's wrong with you, Andrew? Come on, pull yourself out of it. I can't pull myself out of it. And so that, that builds up self-doubt and it builds up an unhealthy introspection where you sort of say, well, was it this? Was it my mother? Was it my father? Was it my school? You know, and, and just dwelling on the problem even more so that it magnifies even more. I mean, these are part of the negative fallouts and then sort of being angry that things haven't turned out how they should be because, uh, you know, you've got such high hopes and expectations. Why isn't it working? And that sense, well, it must be me. And I think for me, my psychological disposition was, was to blame blame me. Even when other people made a mess, it was my fault because I hadn't trained them properly. You know? Yeah. And I think that's important. Um, two things. One is that there is definitely this place of we need to take responsibility in terms of our role and our, our, our whatever it might be that we're in. But I hear what you're saying in that there are things that we are not responsible for. And if we're trying to take responsibility for those people and their actions and what's happening out there what we're doing is is something that's completely impossible you know trying to kind of um change people when maybe they're not wanting that or we're kind of putting that out there like that and the other thing i've noticed um and you touched on about sort of um, even in your relationship with god things can start to get tainted and that introspection what i found for myself was I came to a place where I started trying to do more um, spiritual work. So my witnessing increased even more and I started praying more and fasting more and reading the Bible more until I got to a point where I literally could not not eat anymore. <laughs> um, I couldn't, I had to go to work. I had to do certain things. I couldn't pray anymore. It, and the level of, of kind of self-effort and works, I, I exhausted myself to a point of I just, I couldn't do it anymore. And even reading the Bible, I don't know if you've experienced this, but literally I would, I would read the, and it, I, I just could not compute what it was saying. Um, there was this, like I was saying before, that depersonalization with it. I just, it was, it was very, very strange. And I knew that something was really wrong at that point. And uh, part of my journey out of burnout or, I wouldn't say I was completely in burnout, but certainly experiencing these symptoms. Part of my journey was that I did need to have a season away from um, from that from that full time um, ministry focus um, and and pull out of that for a season. And uh, I even remember, and this is me being very honest. I remember praying, and I, I said, "God, I love you, and I love. Thank you for your gospel. Thank you for grace. Thank you for what the work you've done in my life. But I cannot do this anymore." Um, and I felt horrible for saying that to God and, and for admitting that. But there was, um, I, I felt the Lord's pleasure in that, that I was being honest with him for the first time in a long time and, and just opening up to the Lord and, and saying, hey, he knows anyway. Um, he knows what we're going through and where we're at. And I remember praying that prayer and that was a defining moment that I thought I had failed and I'd failed miserably. And um, but the Lord brought me back and, and uh, restored my, my soul and my, my life through that experience. Um, so that, that idea about shame is about that, you know, you've made mistakes and perhaps you've done things, you could have done it better, but in that place of burnout, shame takes a root and says, you are a mistake. 
you are a failure. You, you know, your identity starts to get taken. Um, what, what do you think that, that role of the gospel and the role of um, our identity in Christ, what, what do you think that, that play, what kind of role that plays in, in burnout or, or coming out of it? Yeah, it certainly plays a role in restoration. When you begin to see what Jesus actually says and not what we think he says. And unfortunately, and I put myself in the category of, of, of someone who's done this as a, as a preacher, we often lay too many burdens on, on people and uh, mm. sometimes not consciously and, and usually because we, we're doing it unknowingly. Um, but that's why... You know, it's always good to go back to the source material. What did Jesus actually say? And he said, come unto me, and my burden is, is light. I will give you rest. And, you know, you read a verse like that, and you immediately go, phew, you know. <laughs> and that we find that Jesus called his disciples uh, not to go and transform the world. He called them, first of all, to be with him. Okay. Yeah. And after a busy day, he yeah. said, come away and rest a while. And, and you know, this is, this is Jesus. Yes, he, he, you know, we get the balance. He, he then sends them out. But after they've been with him, and then he says, I'm with you always. And then he says, I will build my church, you know. So, so understanding our role in and sometimes it's a, it's a steep learning curve and it, sometimes it takes a long time to realize that it's not by might nor by power but by his holy spirit and again it's one of those uh, verses that you have up here but needs to be actually our, our working dynamic that it's his spirit working through us and get out of the way and, and let him do his work through us Amen. And I love that scripture. And absolutely, I, I love the message um, version of that scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, I, can't, I can't remember exactly how it says, but it just really brought it to life when I first read it. Um, and it was just that idea of rest and just knowing that God is good and he loves us and the burdens and the heavy things that we're carrying. And um, I'm telling you, like, it's it's amazing. When I, when I came out of that mindset, what I found that um, what I was doing, I was doing ministry, but from a place of freedom, from a place of, I want to do this, you know, not, I, I have to do this. And if I don't do it, I'm guilty. Um, and it was just this freedom that I experienced. And I, I know you've, you've certainly experienced that as well. And um, it's such a, it's such a, it's such a different um, place to function and live from in that relationship. And I, I kind of being married and being married now a number of years, I, and obviously yourself much longer than, my, than me, but um, definitely that, that concept of marriage, like I have to do this for my wife and, oh, you know, and, and look, there are certain things I, I have to do, like put my, uh, put my clothes where they need to be. <laughs> no, I'm joking, but um, there, it's more of a, the mindset of I get to do this for, for her because I love her and I, I want to do this not necessarily the, the action, but more the, the heart desire behind it. There's a freedom there and a love and a relationship. Yeah, I love, love that word freedom. And I think going back to that verse, come unto me, I think in the message version, Eugene Peterson has got this lovely phrase about learning the unforced 
rhythms of grace. And that's the one. Is it? It's unforced. It, it's, it, you're not, it, there's a freedom there. You're not doing it under compunction, under duty, because you've got to, but you're just relaxing into the presence of the Lord and, and learning his ways. And that is such a relief. And that, that, that's where we need to put our focus. And um, as, as we identify things getting out of balance, out of kilter, I mean, I started by saying that, you know, this burnout thing can come in waves, but a wave doesn't start as a wave. It starts as a little, uh, you know, coming in. And if you can catch it early on and identify what's happening before it becomes a tsunami, so much the better. And so, you know, finding that time to get the balance between spirit, soul and body it, it is so good that you're actually... Uh, realizing that you've got the presence of the Lord and all his love within you. Mm -hmm. Yes, it, it, you know, there's a, a fire there, but it's predominantly a, a love relationship with him. Absolutely. And, and uh, you mentioned spirit, soul, body, and that was the next thing I wanted to talk about, um, kind of coming out of this, um, you know, coming out of burnout. And spirit, soul, body is something I've used with a lot of people and, and in my own journey as well. And it's this concept that, um, that that really relates to who you are in Christ, in your spirit, and the truths of, of, of Scripture and, and who we are in Him, and the truth of our spirit, and how we connect that to our soul, our mind, will, emotions, our relationships, um, you know, our social interactions, and then how that then connects to our body, um, you know, our diet, sleep, exercise, um, physical activities, and, and things that we do. Um, and so it's this... For me, it was this revelation through my spirit, realizing the grace of God and the goodness of, of the Lord, and then the freedom that I had to, you know, to look after my my body, to, you know, um, to to look after my relationships and enjoy my relationship with my wife and enjoy relationships with friends and, and my children and um, and enjoy relationships in ministry as well, um, and that just started to really clarify and, and purify my mind. Um, in a way that, yeah, it's just incredible, you know, the, the negative beliefs that we can hold and, and how that can, can impact on us. Um, what, what would you say for you is that kind of, um, that, how does that play out in, in your journey? And, and do you think the revelation of grace had a big impact on, on you kind of experiencing that freedom? Yes, the revelation of grace in as much as it doesn't depend on my behavior and God's bearing towards me doesn't depend upon my, my performance. Uh, has a great relief uh, factor and sort of just takes the angst and the anxiety out of, of what's happening and also or what's not happening and when it's not happening that sense of, of relief that well God can cope with that and it doesn't depend on me and even if I if it if it's not happening because it's my, was my mistake he can still redeem it you know, don't lose sleep over it. And uh, th th this is, he is so great. He is so loving. He is so forgiving. And uh, they're things that we preach. And they're things that we need to live as, uh, as, as ministers. Absolutely. And just something I really, uh, I felt to share quickly as well was um, when I was doing the praying and the fasting and I was amping up those, those activities, 
because the, the, the heart motive, I thought it was okay, but it wasn't. It was based in a law-based or performance-based mentality. When, when I had that shift, and now when I pray, and there's that relational aspect to prayer and that connection um, and that honesty, the emotional honesty, um, it just changes everything about that. So, you know, praying and fasting and all of those are really beneficial, um, but not from a, a, a performance mentality um, and a, and a, a law-based relationship. Um, it can just drive further bitterness and resentment, even resentment towards God in those circumstances. And the other thing that I realized in all of that was it was very emotional. Um, so in a sense, I was trying to fix my soul, my mind, my will and emotions through the soul. And I was trying to fix my emotions with emotion um, and trying to get my passion back for God, trying to get my passion back for ministry. And the more I tried to do that, the worse and, and worse it got. And again, the vicious cycle of burnout. Um, and then physically, I started to feel the effects of that with sleep and or lacking sleep, um, just with constantly having this sense of I'm on edge, I'm in trouble, something's not right. And then that revelation that we were talking about that you experienced in the gospel and, and the grace of God started to filter through into, into my soul and, and in my body. And, uh, and that, that balance just started to be restored because I wasn't trying to fix my soul through my soul. I was fixing it through my spirit and my identity in Christ. Does that make sense? Absolutely, because just as we can't fix other people, we can't fix ourselves. <laughs> and, it, and it's the Lord who, who saves us and delivers us from that. I'm thinking about that verse that says, out of our innermost being flows rivers of life-giving water. So it's from the Spirit where the Lord has placed his Holy Spirit that that life comes to rejuvenate and, and revitalize our souls and our bodies. It, it's an activity of his spirit. Sometimes we just sort of uh, put that verse down to revival and, and things like that, or charismatic worship, and both of those are right. But it is the living water from within that revitalizes our souls and our bodies too. Oh, that, that's, that's wonderful of the Lord to make that provision for us. Amen. Amen. Now, I know um, before we started recording, you mentioned four steps or four R's, was it? It was. Just go through those and then let's, let's define those. Yeah. So, I mean, when, when you begin to realize that, that things are awry and, and going in the wrong direction, when you're losing your temper too much or becoming too introspective and you think, this is not right, this is not what, what do you do? The first R would be relate. Uh, relate to God in, in prayer, in scripture, asking the Holy Spirit to bring that alive to you. And relate, if you can, to somebody you can trust. It's not always easy to find somebody to trust, but somebody that you can, can share your heart with and say, this is going on in my life. I need help through this. Will you be with me as I process this? And That's very brave and courageous to do that, I must say. It is, and it's not always easy to find somebody. I mean, for me, that, that was my, my wife who, who, who helped me. Yeah. So, um, and then together, review. Well, what's happened? How have we got here? Without being introspective, without going down in the doldrums of, oh, I must be a failure, it's all my fault. It, it's being able to review the past, 
and just taking note of uh, the track record, what's been happening on a regular basis. And then, then being able to regroup, that's the third one, to sort of change it up. Uh, let's address this issue. Let's make sure that we have time for our family. Let's make sure that we have a proper holiday. Let's make sure that we not consume with that problem or that problem person uh, disproportionately. Yeah, you've got to give them attention, but not, no, not disproportionately. So regroup, change it up. And then the second one is retain. What you've regrouped and what you've reevaluated, uh, retain. And that's what requires discipline. Um, but it's the indiscipline that got you into the mess in the first place. So, you know, putting in those boundaries, knowing when to answer the phone, when not to answer the phone, knowing what jobs to take on, what ones to let go. Um, yeah, again, takes courage, especially if you're in that recovery period where your self-worth is still a little bit bound up in the things that you've been doing and the things that you want to do. Uh, it's, you know, to use the cliche, letting go and, and letting God. But they, they would be my four R's. Relate to God and to a trusted person, uh, review, uh, regroup, and, and then retain, retain those boundaries that you've set. Awesome. And I've just thought of another one. That will bring refreshment <laughs> to your yeah. soul. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, and that how to how to bring how to bring refreshment to your soul um, if you're starting to, to if you notice even through what we're sharing some of those symptoms if you're experiencing burnout how you can bring refreshment through those four steps um, I think that's that's fantastic yeah just again so relate review regroup and retain helps to bring refreshment back um, back to someone's uh, spirit soul and body bringing that balance back that's that's really really cool thank you Andrew you're welcome. And at first that I find helpful and, and, and did in the process. And from teenage years, I think this has been a favorite verse of mine. It's uh, Isaiah 30, 50. In returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. That's Isaiah 30, 50. In quietness and in confidence, some versions say, shall be your strength. And again, we mentioned Eugene Peterson in the Message Bible. He says, settle down in complete dependence on me, says the Lord. Settle down in complete dependence on me. I like that. And that's, that's what it's all about, really. Knowing that he loves us, he accepts us. It's not dependent on our behavior or our performance, but purely on his love for us. Mm -hmm. So true. And so you're saying, Andrew, that it's okay to rest as a minister? <laughs> it would seem so. I think we've got the authority of Jesus. <laughs> you don't need my say so. <laughs> Look back in the scriptures. Jesus says, I will give you rest. And so I guess just to kind of tie this up, um, what, would you, what would you want to share with people that um, are experiencing in those symptoms and are experiencing burnout? What message would, would you want to leave with them today? Yeah, don't, don't deny what's going on in your life. I mean, it's easy to say, oh, no, I can cope with this. We'll get through this. No, take early steps to deal with it. Um, because as, as you rightly say, you know, it, the longer you're in it, the longer it takes to, to recover from it. 
you take practical steps, make sure you have holiday. I can remember a, a doctor, there was a group of doctors that worked together and they had this understanding with each other. If ever you need a holiday, ask for it because being a doctor is another demanding, caring profession. If you need a holiday, ask for it. But if you ask for it, you need to take two weeks off. Not One week is not enough. Take two weeks off. And that was the understanding that they had. They could have as many holidays as they wanted during the year, as long as they took two weeks off each time. So that, that uh, emphasis on finding that physical rest and, and relaxation. And then most of all, sort of being, spending time with the Lord, with his word, with the Holy Spirit, finding the truth, letting his voice be dominant in, in our hearts, rather than our own voice that would say, you must do more, you're a failure, you must do more, you must be better, you must be good, which were particular things that were going on inside of me. And he says, I love you because I love you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it, that's so true. And it's just coming back to that, the revelation of the gospel um, and the positive ministry of the Holy Spirit. And something that my wife reminded me, I was talking to her about this topic the other day, and, and she reminded me that I used to tell her, I don't need to relax. I don't need to rest. I've got the, I've got the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I would throw scriptures at her about, you know, not needing, um, you know, to relax because look at all this important stuff. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. I'm one of the workers, you know. <laughs> so, um, and that that concept of um, I'm on fire for God, you know, and realizing now, years later, that I'm more passionate now about the things of the Lord and, and relationship with Him and, and doing those things than I was then when I was trying so hard to make it happen and realizing the positive ministry of the Holy Spirit is so important. And hey, that might be something we can talk about next time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, so thank you so much. And, and guys, if you're watching this and you're finding that you are struggling and you are experiencing these symptoms, we'd love to connect with you on Facebook. Um, so check out Voice of Ministries uh, with, with uh, sorry, Voice of Reason Ministries on Facebook, um, check out the podcast the, um, as well on Spotify and, uh, and, uh, and YouTube as well. I've got a number of videos that will give you some practical tips and tools to help you do this as well, to come out of this, um, to burn out of burnout and finding balance in your spirit, soul, body. And I'm actually developing a, a coaching program at the moment um, that's gonna help um, you achieve that, that balance in spirit, soul, body. So stay tuned for that in the next few months. That's going to be rolling out. Um, but yeah, I just, just want to thank you guys for watching, paying attention to this. And I do hope that this has inspired you to know the Lord and make him known um, first and foremost in your own life and, and then in those around you. But take care of yourselves and let us know how you go. Bless you. Bye. Thanks, Andrew. Bye. <laughs>